transferred and renewed by your word in Jesus name and everyone said amen I'm glad you're here today I just want to thank you all I occasionally do this but I want to thank you I realize gas prices are not as cheap as they used to be I realize that for some of you it's a struggle to perhaps drive the distance that you drive I think Miss Liz drove the furthest to church How, how many miles did she drive to church today about 200 miles maybe, about 200 miles. I mean, come on, a church alive is worth the drive. Do I hear an amen? And, and I just want to thank every one of you for the sacrifices that you make every week. And, and I'm glad you're here today. And, and why not turn to your neighbor and say to him, I'm glad you're here today. Come on, just say, you know, I'm glad you're And while you're turning to your neighbor, why not introduce yourself to him and just say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Maybe if it's your husband or wife, say, hello, I'm your husband. Do you remember me? But just introduce yourself to each other. Because church is about family. Do I hear an amen? Church is about family. And I think today is a phenomenal day to be alive. Come on, I said, I think today is a phenomenal day to be alive. And what a great way to be alive again. Alive again. How are we alive again through relationship with God, that we can find such life, that we can find such happiness, that we can find such peace with God. For the past month now, I'm absolutely amazed it's been a month that we have been journeying and rediscovering the importance of an active, ongoing relationship with God. You didn't just get saved. The Bible says that God wants to save you every day. Did you catch that? Yeah, you got saved and you got set free, but there's a process of salvation that we live in every day, that every day the Bible says the goodness and the blessings of the Lord, they're new to us every day. There's a relationship, a walk with God that every one of us needs to be venturing along. Turn with me again to Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. And the Bible tells us this. This has been our scripture. This has been the theme for our study on Alive Again, our relationship with God. And this is our testimony verse. It says this, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let me read that again from the New International Version, the NIV. It says this, never be lacking in zeal. That eager desire, that effort, that what? Enthusiasm in our lives. But keep your spiritual fervor, great warmth of feeling, intense emotion as we serve the Lord. That describes or should describe our relationship with God. That there is a zeal, there is a fervor, there is an excitement, there is energy, there is enthusiasm, there is great warmth, there's great emotion 
that comes about as we live for God. Our relationship with God is a relationship that can be and should be growing. One that should be increasing. So if your relationship is not growing, if your relationship is not increasing, it's your fault. It's your fault because you haven't tapped in to everything that God has. In our journey, I believe that we have covered some incredibly key truths that we just need to quickly just highlight. The first key truth that we have highlighted or covered is this. It's possible to live an up-to-date, alive relationship with God that should not be affected by the circumstances, but rather what? We surrender our life to a God who controls our circumstances. So it's not when things are rough, our relationship with God should plummet and go down. But our relationship with God should be the anchor. It should be the stabilizing factor that every day we have an up-to-date, alive relationship with God. Another key point that we've covered is this. A relationship with God involves total surrender. How many people just add God to their life? They add God to their life because they like the benefits. Everyone likes the benefit of heaven. If you don't, you're a fool. They like the benefits of peace. They like the benefits of joy. So they'll just add God to their life. Listen, God is not an additive to your life. God wants to control your life. He wants to be in complete control. It's surrendering and giving God everything. Then we talked about how we can experience passion. We talked about passion is because of what? An expression or the evidence of an authentic evidence or affection for God. We had some passion in the house today as we were worshipping. Come on, there was some passion in the house today. Why? Because passion comes from what? An experience. It comes from our relationship, our encounter with God. You will be passionate about that which you love. God made us that way. And we've got to be passionate about God. Passion also comes with feelings or emotion. Passion brings a change. And then last week we began to look at an incredible word called grace. 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 And we discovered this. Without grace, it is impossible to have a relationship with God. I'm going to say that one more time. Without grace, it is impossible to have a relationship with God. Why? Because we don't deserve it. Why? Because we don't meet the standards of it. Why? Because nothing we can do in ourselves can ever accomplish that. But grace is what He did for us. Aren't you glad about that? Grace is what He did for us. It's the practical working of the goodness of God inside of us. It's God's working inside of us despite me. Come on, aren't you glad that God wants to work despite you? Come on right now. You should be shouting and screaming right there because the last time I checked, we weren't always the best. The last time I checked, we didn't have all our ducks in a row. Come on. In fact, we fall well short, the Bible says. But thank God, grace is what he did for us. It's his working inside of us. 
I would love to recap and revisit more and go into more depth, but I haven't got time today. So order the CDs for the set or go on our website. And let me explain this quickly to you. Quick commercial break right here. On our website, you can download the messages. Stephen did not know this. Stephen Ashford. Wave at me, Stephen Ashford. By the way, happy birthday, Jessica. It was her birthday on Friday. Congratulations. If it was your birthday on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or last week too, happy birthday to you. But Stephen didn't even know that. And you can go on our website and you don't have to have a cool phone called an iPhone. You can use the other stuff out there too. But you can on your computer at work or at home or on your smartphones, you can download the messages and you can listen to them. So get the messages inside of you. But listen to this. Grace is the undeserved favor of God. Grace is God equipping you free of charge. Because Jesus paid the price to be all that he has called you to be. You know how I'm going to get to what God has called me to be? Only by his grace. Only by his grace. Grace is the understanding that everything I have in Christ is based entirely on the goodness of God and his love that he has for me. Isn't that incredible? I said, isn't that incredible? And here's where we finished Wednesday night. Stop focusing on your faults and start focusing on his goodness. Come on, stop looking at the mistakes and the failures in your life and start looking at the goodness of God. But it's amazing that every time something good comes along, Satan wants to mess it up. Satan wants to do everything he can to mess. So when we're talking about grace, you've got to understand this. Satan doesn't like that word grace. Because Satan wants you to be in condemnation. Satan wants you to feel that you're not good enough. And all. Satan wants you in that place. So what does he do? He tries to put us in a trap. He tries to twist the truth. Because Satan uses truths. Did you know that? He uses the practical truths of Christianity in our lives. But what does he do? He takes those truths and just twists them a little bit. This morning, I want to talk of perhaps one of the biggest traps that we can fall into as children of God when it comes to grace. And that is this, the trap of performance. The trap of performance. And here's why. Are you ready today? Here's why so many times we fall into the trap of performance. Because we have a hard time believing that grace is true. We have a hard time grasping that grace is enough. And why is that? Because we know the skeletons that are in our closets. We know ourselves better than anyone else except God. And when we know the faults of our lives, you know what begins to happen? We begin to equate what we see or what we would do in our lives as God would do to us. Let me explain that. When we look at the faults and the failures of our lives, we find it hard to realize why God could and would ever use anyone like us. And therefore, we evaluate and we take stock and we say, well, If I wouldn't use me, then how could God use me? 
Come on, are you following with me today? That we begin to look and we begin to say, well, I know what I've done. It's easy to point the finger at other people, but at the end of the day, you're laying in bed every night with the thoughts of what you've done. Come on. You can't escape the guilt and the condemnation that Satan, notice Satan, wants to put upon you. And that's the problem. Instead of accepting the grace of God in our lives, we find it so hard to believe because we can't accept it naturally. So therefore, we put God in the box and think that he thinks just like we do. How many knows that God's ways are above ours? His thoughts are bigger than ours. And what we're limited by, God's not. God has grace. Remember this, grace is what he did. Grace is what he did. And God knows what you've done. When God called you, you think God messed up? No. But yet we tell ourselves, how could God call me? Because he obviously didn't know this and he doesn't know that. But listen, grace is what he did. Because he knows what we've done. He knows what we will still do. And he knows what's going to go on. But guess what? His grace is still sufficient for every one of our lives. His grace is still there. You see, performance says, what can I do? Performance says, let me earn that. And that's a trap as the children of God that we've got to avoid in our life. Satan, the king of lies, is working nonstop to convict us and to convince us that God is the one who's not telling the truth. It's amazing, isn't it, that we can read a newspaper and we can believe it, but then we doubt the Bible. We can read a history book and believe that someone lived thousands and thousands of years ago, but yet we question the fact that the Bible says that Jesus lived. Isn't it amazing how it's so easily Satan can convince us to believe a lie, but yet the truth we struggle to really grab a hold of? And if Satan allows us and convinces us that God is not telling the truth. As a result, our relationship with God will never be where it needs to be. And our relationship with God will be based once again, old covenant style, which is based upon law. You need to listen to the message on Wednesday night. We talked about law versus grace. So here's what happens. Our relationship with God becomes rule-based and legalistic. That's what happens when we go to performance. Our relationship with God becomes rule-based and legalistic. And, that's, and this is what it means. So many times our relationship with God flows out of a belief system that says, if I do good and if I perform well today, God is going to be pleased with me. God is going to like me. And as a result, God is going to bless me. How many knows that is all well and good, but there's a flip side to that coin. There is another side because if I do good, God's going to bless me. God's going to reward me. God's going to be there for me. But what happens in my sin nature, in the struggles and the hardships that I have in my life? Come on, I'm not going to be good every day. Do I hear an amen in the house? I'm not going to hit this mark every day. So therefore, if I'm thinking like that, the flip side is this. If I don't perform well today, God is not going to like me. And he's not going to bless me. 
And he's not going to be pleased with me. So now we get totally consumed with performance that we have lost our purpose. Performance driven instead of purpose driven. My relationship now, Miss Norma, becomes about what I can do instead of what he has already done and what his grace is given to me. We live life literally trying to stay afloat. How are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to do the best I can. But unfortunately, the best you can will never be enough. That mindset or belief system could not be further from the truth. Listen to me. You are saved by grace. Say with me what he did. We are saved by what he did. And listen to me. We are kept by grace. Say this with me. Through what he did. We're saved because of what he did. And we are kept through what he did. Grace. 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 And you know why we so often think and fall into the trap of performance? Because that's the system of the world that we live in. That's how the world today operates. If you do good, you're rewarded. If you do bad, you are punished. And therefore, it's so easy that we fall into that mindset. That's why when we begin to read scriptures in the Bible that says we're not of this world, we begin to understand why doesn't mean because we're aliens and don't look at your neighbor because you may get confused on that one because you may say, well, he kind of looks a bit strange. But that's why the Bible tells us that this world is not our home. We're passing through. For what reason? We cannot get coupled down with the mindsets of this world and start equating our relationship with God based upon the systems that we see around us today. I call that too much head. And not enough heart. So easy to live with too much head to begin to think things out. Listen, salvation is illogical. You know what that means? You can't figure it out. I mean, try and figure out what God's done for you. Try and figure out why God would use you. Come on, you're going to be struggling. You may think you're really big and bad, but I mean, really look at yourself. And if you're struggling to really discover yourself, ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your kids, ask your neighbors, and they'll be very happy, I'm sure, to tell you exactly what you are. Too much head. And not enough heart. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his head. No, heart. Thank you. Someone's awake in the house. As a man thinks in his heart. Not in his head. Not in his reasoning. Not in his intellect. Not in his rationalization. But in his heart. The Bible says, so he is, or the thought is this, so he becomes. He follows that which is in his heart. We've got to go with our heart, not with our head. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, we know this scripture, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. 
What is through faith? Through faith, there is speaking about through a relationship where we have surrendered our heart and given our lives to Christ. Through faith, we have a relationship, a heart that's been given over to God. Through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. You can't pay for a gift. You cannot Pay for a gift, because if you pay for a gift, that now makes it a purchase. It's not a gift anymore. A gift is something that's given with no payment required, unless you're cheap. I'm going to give you something, but you just need to give me something back. Aren't you glad God's not cheap? Come on, how many are glad God's not cheap? Come on, are you in the house today? You're really quiet today. Did you use all your steam up earlier in worship today? God's not cheap. He has paid the price to give a gift of life to every one of us that comes through a relationship in our hearts as we surrender and give to Him. I can't figure it out in my head why He loves me. So therefore, I've got to make a choice just to believe that His grace is sufficient for my life. I've got to make the choice. I've got to think in my heart because my body is going to follow my heart. I don't want to follow my mind. Verse 9, it's not of works. Say with me, performance. Say it with me, performance. It's not of works. It's not of what I can do. It's not my performance. It's not my merits. Lest what happens? I begin to take credit for it. I begin to boast and say, look at me. Oh, yeah, I'm really saved. Yeah, I I get up at five every morning and I pray for four hours. And then when I get to work, finally, 11 o'clock, you know, after praying, and I just tell my boss, you just kind of have to excuse me. I was on God's time. And, 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 you know, those people who can't have a job because they have to pray. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I mean, get real, get real. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. I'm not saying we shouldn't read our Bibles. Of course we should. But is it performance or is it grace? I want to ask you a question today. Who gets the glory for the transformation that's taken place in your life? Who is it who has taken the glory? Who gets the glory for what has happened in your life? Because a performance-based relationship wants to take credit for it. Oh, yeah, well, I go to church and I pay my tithes and I do all this kind of stuff. And that's why good things are happening in my life. There's some truth in that. But you can't have a relationship with God without grace. So if you're doing it on your own, guess what? You don't have a relationship with God. You see, a grace-based relationship says this. I'm the scum of the earth. I'm unworthy. And I don't deserve it. But you know what? God saw something in me. And God saved me. And now my life is eternally indebted to him. And every day I want to live for him. It's not because of what I could ever do, but it's because of what he did. I don't know why, but he did. You see, that's a grace-based relationship. Performances. I'll take the credit. Woo! About me. Let me show you a grace-based relationship versus a performance-based relationship. 
from God's word. Look what it says in Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. It says this, And Jesus spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Notice Jesus was saying, here's some people who thought they were so good and they were looking down on everyone else. But Jesus talked to them in a parable. And he said these words, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Tax collectors were hated. They're still not really like today, really, are they? But things haven't really changed in the Word of God since the Word of God was written. The Bible says the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. I thank God that I am not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. Definitely not an adulterer. And I'm certainly not like him. I'm not like that tax collector. Is that what he says? I fast twice a week. And I give a tithe of everything that I possess. Can you see the arrogance? Can you see the performance? Let's read on. And the tax collector, the scum of the earth, Standing afar off. Notice he wasn't even close to perhaps where everyone else was. He just had made it in the door. He didn't even feel worthy to almost even be there. He would not so much, the Bible says, as even raise his eyes to heaven. Means he was walking in like this. He was bowed down. The unworthiness was all over him, not just in his heart, but physically in his entire being. And he beat his breast. And he said, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. A sinner. God, be merciful to me. I pray that's your prayer today. I said, I pray that's your prayer today. God, be merciful to me. God, I've screwed up this week. God, I've done things wrong that I shouldn't have done. God, be merciful. Give me grace. Come on, say that with me. Give me grace. God, give me grace. The Bible says. This wasn't Matthew speaking. This wasn't one of the disciples speaking. This was Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, I tell you. This man, the tax collector, he went to his house justified. That word justified is an incredible word. Just if I had never sinned through salvation, been saved through his grace. He went to his house a new man rather than this other guy, the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts Himself, performance, will be humbled. And he who humbles himself, the Bible says, I will exalt. I will exalt. 
but a picture of law versus grace. And who, so to speak, won the prize? We just read it from Ephesians 2 verse 9. Not of works, lest any man boast. It's not of me, but it's what I give to him. And what he has already done for me. I don't care who you are. You will never hit the mark 100% of the time. And when we relate to God based on how we perform, do you realize what we're saying? We're saying this. God, your sacrifice upon the cross was not enough to pay my price. Listen to me. We're literally slapping God in the face and saying everything you went through for me wasn't enough that I still have to do something to earn it. Come on, grace is what he did, knowing what I have done and knowing what I will still do. But his grace is still there every step of the way. To live in the freedom that Jesus died to give us, we must absolutely focus on the goodness of God. It's a relationship, not a religion. Religion is what can I do and how can I do it? A lot of churches in this nation you could go to and you know exactly what's going to be said and done before you even walk through the doors. Why? Because they follow a program and this is week four this week or week two this week. Turn in your books. It's the same stuff over and over and over and over again. Sermons regurgitated off the internet, perhaps. Just dead things that you know what's going to happen. I'm glad when I come into church on Sunday and Wednesday, I don't know what's going to happen. This morning, look what happened. That was not planned. Ask Andrea. She keeps us all in line and tells us what we need to do and how we need to do it. All right, you need to go up and do the offering. And you does a great job. Listen, look at her notes. It wasn't Holy Spirit works for 30 minutes. Step out of the way. I'm glad that my relationship is not based on performance and religion. But I have a relationship which is personal, which is real, and which is alive. It always amazes me how many Christian, or let me rephrase that, I don't want to say Christian. It always amazes me how many churchgoers get upset when we teach on the goodness of God, when we teach on grace. Because they think that teaching on grace and the goodness of God will encourage people to sin more. That it gives people a license to sin. That it's not about what you do, it's about what he did. Listen, I believe the complete opposite to that. I believe that teaching on the goodness of God will make people want to sin less and less. And you know why? Look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, it's the goodness of God. That leads you to repentance. Notice that. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. The power of grace comes to us when we have a revelation of the goodness of God. And without grace, you and I cannot overcome sin. You can't overcome sin. 
It's only by His grace, through His blood that was given, that He broke the curse of sin. And now through grace, accepting what He did, I can overcome. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 14, For sin shall no longer have dominion under you, for you are not under the law, but you are under what breaks the dominion of sin. My performance, what I do, no. Grace, grace, grace. I believe when we teach the goodness of God and we teach the grace of God, it gives hope to every one of us that in our hearts we say, I want that kind of God. I want a God that can use me despite my failures and shortcomings. And I believe it makes us fall in love with him so much that nothing we want to do is that which displeases him. Will we mess up? Yes, but thank God his grace is there. Look at 1 John 4 verse 19. We love him. You know why you love him? Because he first loved us. What an incredible thought. I love you, God, because you first loved me. God, I love you because when I was scum and when I was filth, you still loved me. If I had been the only person on the face of the earth, you would have still sent your son. There is no greater love, the Bible says, that one would lay down his life for those. What a picture of grace that before we even loved him. I love what that scripture says. I think it's in John 15, 15 or somewhere like that. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Before you made the choice, he already chose you. You know when he chose you? When you weren't choosable. You know when he chose you? When you were in a prison cell. You know when he chose you? When you were a drunk on the streets. You know when he chose you? Was when you were in your bed of adultery. You know when he chose you? When you were hungover. You know when he chose you? When you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But he still loved you enough. Before you loved him, he loved you. That's grace. I said that's grace. That's God's grace for our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. You know how we can love God more? It's by focusing on his love he has for us. Listen to this. You will live more holy on accident by focusing on the goodness of God then you will by focusing on all the thou shalt nots and thou shalt do. You will live more holy on accident as you focus on the goodness of God instead of trying to live your life every which way. Why? I'll tell you why. Right thinking will lead to right feeling. And the way we think right is to renew our minds in the word of God, to find out what God's word says. And you know what God's word tells us? It shows us who we are in him. It shows us that we're overcomers. It shows us that we're apple of his eye. It shows us that he has chosen us, ordained us. It doesn't show us in our filthiness, but the Bible says he overlooks our sin because of his grace. Today, if we are not properly grounded in the grace of God, we will fall right 
into the trap of performance. If you, don't, if you haven't heard anything else I said today, catch this. God doesn't need your help. He needs your surrender. God doesn't need your help. In fact, you screwed it up for long enough. The old bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. Come on, get a life. I mean, that means you're in the pilot seat if he's the co-pilot. I was flying back from Chicago last week and the pilot came on and said, I will not be flying the plane today. I'm like, oh. But my co-pilot will be, who is very adequate and he is very highly trained. Made me worry for a few minutes, two seconds, and then I fell asleep before we even took off. Drives Kelly nuts. As soon as I hit a plane, I sleep before I take off and I wake up when I land. The best way and the only way to fly. God's not my co-pilot. I'm not even in the cockpit. I want to be in the back. I want to be taken care of. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Can I get you a drink? You nuts, peanuts or pretzels? Problem is now you've got to pay for even peanuts and pretzels on most flights now. You've got to pay for your luggage to fly. I mean, goodness me. Now, I was filling in at the computer thing and it said, if you want to go to the gate and get preferred seat and you can get that and it's only $9 more and they'll call your name first. I mean, all these little charges that they wanted to do. I, I was waiting for one. If you want them to carry your bags, then you can press this. If you want them to love your bags, then you can pay this. But listen, God doesn't need your help. Get out of the cockpit. God wants you to surrender. And you know what happens? As we surrender and as we give our lives to him, you know what the byproduct or the fruit of surrender is? Obedience. Come on, man. You know what another fruit of surrender is? A willingness to live for him. Another fruit of surrender is faithfulness. And here's the greatest fruit of surrender. A changed life. Someone said this statement, and perhaps the greatest statement I've ever heard on grace, and it says this, I am what I am only by the grace of God. Who takes the glory for your change? Who takes the glory of your life? I am what I am only by the grace of God. Let me bring this to a close this morning. Here's the problem with performance. If I perform well, guess what that leads to? Just like the fruit of surrender is willingness, obedience, faithfulness, a changed life. You know what the fruit of performance is? Pride. Pride. Do a word study on pride. You're not going to like what you find. It speaks about falling. It talks about loss. It talks about not good things. Pride always precedes a fall is what the Bible says. So if we're performance-based and we're trying to do it, then we've got to watch out for pride. But on the other hand, if we're performance-based, but yet we still don't perform well, guess what? You know what the fruit of that is? Condemnation. So if we're falling into the trap of performance, we're either living by pride or we're living by condemnation. And the last time I checked, either way, The fruit of having a performance-based life is a lose-lose, lose-lose, pride, condemnation, lose-lose situation. If you try to come to God based on your performance, guess what? You'll never be good enough.
He'll never be good enough. We sang it this morning. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Roxanne, if you could please come back. None of us could ever be that good. Only Jesus was able to do that. Do you see how easily we can fall into a trap of performance? Can you see how easy it is to begin to take credit for what we have in our lives? Only by His grace. And all that happens when we live by performance is this, that we doubt the grace that God has for us. That undeserved, that unmerited favor that none of us deserve. And that's why we must focus on God's love for us. Stop focusing on your faults. Stop focusing on his love. I said stop focusing on his faults. Start looking to his grace. Listen to me. Grace is what he did. And what he did is still great enough to take care of everything that you have ever done that you are doing and you ever will do. And when you grasp that, the greatness of his love for you, your life will never be the same. It's only by his grace. Would you stand to your feet with me in this place today? I must admit, I feel like that tax collector today. I just want to hang my head almost in shame. Unable to look even up to heaven and I want to beat my chest and I say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to extend to you today the grace of God. We'd like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.